Welcome to a very special edition of the Grappling Discourse. Today, I am joined by Conscious Keelan and the man, the myth, the legend, Brandon McCatherine, the founders, creators, uh, producers of the PGF. The PGF has really started to take off. The first season, we saw 20 matches. We saw so much excitement. White, blue, purple, brown, and black belts mix it up. For a chance to win a lot of money at the end we saw elijah carlton come out on top in the regular season as well as the finale the finale was all no time limit season two we saw the 225ers go at it again we saw tons of talent really really good stuff from white blue purple brown and black belt competitors in the end hunter colvin left as the champion the regular season as well as the finale season three though man You talk about talented. You talk about stacked. You talk about just a bunch of different guys that are ready to make a name for themselves. Guys, what are you most excited for going into season three? Man, I wasn't sure that that was Brandon under that helmet for a minute. (laughs) That was Joga Fett. Hey, Django. Django Fett. That was close. Uh, Most excited about, man. Like you said, there's a lot to be excited about. I guess from the production side, I'm most excited that it's going to be a live event this time again. And I'm excited that we're going to have fans here watching. And I think the atmosphere is just going to be in better than it has been in both seasons. We're having a couple of our like biggest fans down. They're going to stay here all week. Um, yeah. I'm pumped about the atmosphere and it gonna it's gonna be live. Yeah. Having it live with actual fans is probably the part that excite well, that in the draft. I'm very excited that we're having a draft. So we can talk about that in a little bit. But I think that the atmosphere for this one, with there being an actual live audience during the week is gonna make a huge difference in like the excitement, especially for the players during the matches it's going to make a huge difference so i don't i mean i don't know how many people we'll have here during the week we got seating here at the gym we got bleachers and a giant mat space where we can put some seating on so i think that that's going to make just a enormous difference in how well it's received yeah i think each season has been unique PGF, what I really like is that it's kind of evolved each season. We saw in season one that it was, you know, 20 matches. You had seven points for a kill, three points for a choke. This time, this season, it's six points for a choke, three points for a break, and one bonus point if you finish within the first minute. Are there any other big changes? I mean, there's so many things always changing with the PGF. What is the big change for season three? Uh, It's all in one week, and it's all live. So the first season – it was all live and it happened week one. Then they came back week two, et cetera, et cetera, all the way through until the season was concluded. In season two, we did everybody played all the matches during one week, but then we released the episodes once a week, once a week. For this one, we're doing basically the shark week of jujitsu. So they're going to play, they're going to arrive on Sunday, do their weigh in. Monday morning, we're going to do the draft. Or actually, I should say Sunday night, we're going to do the combine. Monday morning, we're going to do the draft. And then Monday, live games with a live audience broadcast live. 
Tuesday, live games, live audience. Wednesday, Thursday, live games, live audience. And then the finale, instead of having a big break between the regular season matches and the tournament, the tournament's going to happen right at the end of the week. So they'll have Friday off, and then on Saturday, the top eight players will go into the tournament. And the tournament is going to be a little bit different this time, too. We're going to do EBI rules for all the elimination rounds, and then only the final will be no time limit this time. Yeah, I think that's um, an interesting twist. The finale, we, we've seen some pretty crazy matches with Joe Kai and Kevin Primo going for over an hour, and then we had Sam Barboza against Elijah Carlton, which it just ended up being really boring. Sam was trying to he was trying to wear down Elijah. He was trying to catch Elijah off guard, but it led to a match that was pretty difficult to watch. And both guys really, really talented, but definitely want to avoid having that happen again in the finale. Um, but thinking about where we're at, right? We're what six days out from competitors getting here, five days out from competitors getting here. Sunday, um, kind of what's that schedule? What's the schedule looking like for the week, Keelan? And uh, when can people start tuning in and, and seeing PGF, uh, you know, when they guys start watching the PGF content? Yeah, so Sunday night, that's whenever we go live for the first time, um, officially for the PGF. We start with the combine, weigh-ins and combine. We'll do a ceremonial weigh-in, and then we'll get right into the combine. And the combine is going to be fun this year. We're, we have 10 challenges, tests for them to do. They have to do five of them. So it'll be a interesting to see which challenges each athlete picks. Are they going to maybe push themselves a little bit to show off and maybe like jump around in the draft to get paid more? Or are they going to take it easy because they've got some matches this week? It'll be interesting to see what, what they decide to pick. Um, also, that first night in the combine, we've got some fun activities. So I think it'll be just like a good kickoff. We don't see like a combine for jujitsu ever. ever. It's never happened. Yeah, yeah, it's like a real sport thing. So we're trying to make it a real sport. Yeah, I want to have a like one of the big things. I want to have a real league. Like, I want to have this combine <clears throat> because we have the draft. The combine takes on an extra, <clears throat> an extra layer of importance because you know, like we know Elijah is going to go probably first or at least one of the first couple of picks. Same thing, guys like Caleb McAllister, Dane Leak, or Gio Ortiz. These guys are going to go probably in the first round. They're going to be gone. But the rest of the roster, they're all vying for which part of which order they're going to go in during the draft. And where they get drafted determines how much they get paid for the week. That's and just from, um, I guess, the commissioner perspective. That's one of the things that I feel most proud about this year is that this is maybe the first really professional tournament like every athlete is going to leave with money in their pocket it's going to be based they're going to get paid based on their draft order not on how well they perform during the season they're going to get paid based on where they go in the draft and so say an athlete like randy roden he's coming in as a you know he's got a tremendous amount of wrestling experience d1 I think he's still a blue belt. Still yeah, blue belt. still a blue belt. We've seen him in the P in PGF season two, and we're going to see him here at the 170 pound season, season three. But where does he go in the draft? That's going to really matter to him because the difference in pay between the first round players and the guys who get picked in the fifth round 
is going to be our sixth round is going to be, you know, pretty substantial. Yeah, that's exciting. Yeah, and it adds an extra element. So, Brandon, as a coach, if you're one of the four coaches, okay, how much is the draft? Excuse me, the combine playing into who you draft? Because I'm sure most of these coaches have an idea. Yeah, of maybe half the field. Right. Yeah. But there's a lot of dudes out there that are, are pretty unknown. I mean, David Evers, for instance, most guys have probably watched the qualifier, but there's not a lot of footage out there of David Evers. There's not a lot of footage out there of Matthew Boyles. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And so how much are you kind of watching the the combine to help you kind of decide who to pick? If I were one of the coaches, I'd be watching it really closely. I want to see how much weight did this guy cut to be in here. I want to see how does this guy perform on his uh, squeeze endurance? You know, I, I don't, what are all, do you know all the, the list of the, um, the combine events? Do you have it? You might have it written down over there. Yeah. We've got it, but I don't have it sitting here in front of me, but I want to see, you know, we tried to pick events for the combine that were, I don't want to say specific to grappling, but that, are relevant to grappling. Like we're not going to run a 40 or a see who runs the fastest mile or anything like that. But we do want to see, you know, who's got squeeze endurance, who's got explosive power through their legs, you know, things like this. So we're going to do like a, a broad jump. We're going to do, um, you know, we got a, a gauge. We're going to be able to measure how hard they can squeeze a neck. Well, and we saw from season one, the combine, the strongest athlete, Matt Anderson did phenomenally. I mean, coming Surprising in, white belt that, you know, hadn't trained for years, honestly, hadn't trained for years, did surprisingly very, very well, just based on he outperformed everybody on the combine. Like, stuff. yeah, on athletic testing. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think that, that that's a great point. That could be an indication on, okay, maybe I'm looking at taking this guy in the third round instead of the fifth round. You know, and that's important to, like I said, man, that's going to be important to the athlete because that's a difference in a couple of hundred dollars, which look, man, we're not, it's not like I'm sitting over here shelling out thousands of dollars to every player. I got a budget to work with over here, but at the same time, man, if you're a purple belt or a blue belt and you're going to leave a difference between a sixth round pay versus say a second or third round pay is pretty substantial, especially for a week's worth of work. So yeah, I would be paying very close attention to how the combine goes. They're allowed to, or there's ways for them to make more money too throughout the week. True. Right? What are some of those ways? I know there's like submission or maybe a match. Yeah. The so the mat, the best match every night will be determined by Keelan and I, and then the broadcast team. We're going to come together and we're going to pick what was the most exciting match of the night that ended in submission. Right. So it has to end in submission in order to qualify. And then what was the most exciting match that ended in submission? And both of those athletes are going to get a bonus each night of the week. So, yeah, man, I mean, you could come in as, you know, again, some say somebody like Matthew Boyles. He's a blue belt, young kid, but he's really exciting. He goes out there and he gets subbed, but it's a scrap and, and super hotly contested for five minutes. And then he ends up getting subbed. You know, that kid might walk away. He does that. Say he does that every night. He's going to walk away with an extra $500. Yeah, on top of the pay. I, I think that's really cool. And I know that, um, you know, you guys are saying today that Toehold is offering a 
pair of their toehold sandals for a toehold submission. Yeah, not just a pair, but like their premium pair, which is like $300 pair of of sandals, which I know that may sound crazy to you, but these are like handcrafted, custom leather, like built with love, you know? <laughs> so yeah, toehold, if anybody that finishes a toehold, they get a, a custom pair of sandals and he'll do that. Toehold's going to do that for every single time that, that that submission is hit throughout the course of the week. So Keelan, of the combine things, like what do you think as a coach is the most important? Like what are the, the one, two or three things that you're like really eyeing as a coach to help you decide where to pick an athlete? Man, so I'll just list off a couple of them that we have, and then I'll talk about what, what you asked. We've got plank time, broad jump, hang time. Like a dead hang? Dead hang. Push-ups in 60 seconds. Shuttle run, max squeeze time, max squeeze in general, handstand walks, yoga ball balancing, um, max RPM on the assault bike, and then medicine ball shot put. So there's some fun ones that we can talk about here. Um, But we try to think, like Brandon already alluded to, grappling. You know, like what we're looking for is like grappling skills. So one of the ones I'm more excited about is like the max squeeze and max squeeze time. Um, The hang time, we've got a grip thing that'll measure the force on like their grip stuff. But I think what's most important that I'm interested to see if anybody actually goes for, because again, they only have to choose five of these, is the max RPM on the assault bike. Yeah, that's going to say a lot about their cardio and how hard they can push when it's uncomfortable. Did, did they cut a lot to get here? Are they already tired going in? Um, if they choose that one and if they perform well, you know, that's saying a lot, I think out of the ones that they could choose and what they're all saying. Um, Cause I could see some people taking it easy in here and not even showing off what they have. You know, I think we, I think we might even see that out of some of the guys that they feel like they're definitely going to go in the first round. Which is okay. It is Okay. But, you know, the difference between the first round pay and the second round pay is hundred bucks. it's more than a couple of hundred bucks, mm-hmm. you know. So, like, the difference between the guy who gets picked fourth and the guy who gets picked fifth, I mean, that's a, to a guy who grapples for a living or who's wanting to grapple to for a living, that's going to be a pretty nice chunk of change. So, yeah, I think the max squeeze is the one – that one, the RPMs on the assault bike, and then the broad jump, I think is actually a really telling thing because that, more than anything else, that measures your athletic explosion. Like how hard can you push with your legs to to just explode in one moment? Can you just stand up? Like that's going to answer the question of can you just stand up? I mean, there were just times that Matt Anderson just physically overwhelmed guys. Yeah, And it was very impressive to watch. To me, that's still maybe my favorite storyline in PGF was just, yeah, we we answered this question of, okay, Matt Anderson, you know, he's had some MMA fights. He had a judo background and a little bit of Japanese jiu-jitsu, and he had trained a little bit of Brazilian jiu-jitsu, but he still was a white belt. And the God to honest truth is the dude hadn't trained in years. And he came out. Not seriously, at least. He'd been on the mats, but yeah, not yeah. not dedicating. Well, we'll say maybe he had trained in the past, you know, three, four years, like eight times, you know. So super rusty. Basically, think about it. You had just taken a year off from COVID. I mean, that's where he was coming in, taking a year off. And he comes in with just 
athletic abilities that the other guys couldn't match. And looking at this season, I don't see anybody that looks like a freak, right? There's not mm -hmm. like a, I mean, maybe Randy Roden and Kevin, they're probably the two biggest competitors, right? For sure. For sure. Randy, I know Randy cut something like 30 pounds to make weight for the qualifier. And Kevin did somewhere around the same, maybe not quite that much, but Kevin's going to be probably cutting 20 pounds just to make weight for the season this time. So, yeah, no, he's a big, strong boy, a lot of MMA experience, a lot of competitive jiu-jitsu experience. He's a brown belt now. Yeah, I, th I think Kevin Primo really could be the guy who shocks some people this time. And, and he may be a guy who goes in maybe the second, maybe even third round. So, I don't know, man. I, I, I'm very excited about that. I think the combine, too, is going to do a lot to help out the fantasy picks so for those of you that don't know we have a fantasy league so you go and make your pick and uh, last year we gave out a thousand dollars to the fan who won the fantasy uh go ahead and tell you it was not egghead dude i can hear him talking about i know food. i can hear him i hear him running that mouth right now <laughs> i just sorry egghead i was just just talking trash but uh i think that seeing some of these athletes that are lesser known how they perform in the combine is going to help the fans to choose their fantasy team each week a little bit better. Yeah. Egghead's asking about the coach's challenge. Is that for uh, the draft selection? Yeah. We have options. I don't think we've decided. We haven't, but Dude, I, can, I know what I want to do. I can give them the options right quick and maybe they can help decide right now. Rock, paper, scissors. Lame. <laughs> Who can hold their breath the longest? Lame. Mario Kart. Ooh, I like that one. The Dizzy Dash. Lame. Which is where they spin on the bat, you know, and then <laughs> race or whatever. Connect Four Tournament. Ooh, that's the one I like. Random Balloon Darts, which is like where there's numbers one through four, like 10 times in all the balloons, you know, and they throw a dartboard, and if they hit the number one, then they go first, et cetera. And then a paper airplane competition. Who can fly I think it's Connect Four, dude. I think we should let the people pick right now. I, I, there's a couple of those I really like. I really like the Connect Four. I think that's a, I mean, that's probably the top one for me. I like the the paper airplane challenge. I think that's oh, kind of cool. Um, and, and I like that. Uh, I kind of like the Dizzy Bat challenge too. It'd be really funny. Yeah, uh, It'd be really funny to see Jake Elkins fall over and say. puke. Yeah. What about an Oculus boxing match? Oh, I don't know the best way to measure that, but we could probably figure that out. Make them all fight each other. Like, <laughs> like we go online, you have an Oculus, I bring mine, and then we make them fight each other. Square them How up. How disappointed yeah. would Matt Elkins be if he lost the first round of the boxing Oculus? Boxing I got to say, man, I've seen Matt Elkins in Oculus do some boxing. I think he would do really well. I don't think he's losing. I don't think he's going to lose that one. No, I don't think so either. He, he, even, he even has good technique in VR. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the dude's a fight. That's why. I, but he just would be so dev. If he lost to, like, Drew Weatherhead, just, like, Drew just, like, found a way. Or, like, maybe Drew's, like, a master at, like, Oculus boxing. Hey, you never know. He's a master of NFTs, I'll tell you that. Did you guys see his Ape Shaka's collection? Yes. How well it's done? Yeah. I saw, I mean... I don't know what his take is on this, but I know it's done over a hundred thousand dollars of Ethereum revenue in a week. Wow, I didn't know that. I, just I don't saw, think he gets all of that, but maybe he does. I, I don't know how it works. 
no, I mean, it was a cool product. I, I didn't realize it had done that well, but yeah, it's, so let's go ahead and talk about these coaches then. So we've got four coaches. Why did you decide to bring in four coaches? Like why four, who are the four and what role are they going to play this season? So season one, we didn't have teams at all. Season two, we had teams, but admittedly my execution on how that was done could have been better. Right. That was the but thing. It was a lot of fun. It was good. No, it made it way more fun. Right. Having teams was having teams, even though my execution was less than perfect, having teams was better than not having teams. Right. Uh, I think we got it down this year. And the reason I went with four teams instead of two is so that we could have the draft. Which so important. to me, the draft is is one of the most exciting parts of the whole thing. Like this has literally never been done in jujitsu ever. Well, first of all, no, I've never seen anybody try to run a league, much less have a third season of a league. And then even us, this is, this is like groundbreaking for us. So I don't know how that's going to go. I mean, it could be an abject disaster. I, I always try to leave that option open. Like I might mess this up completely, but I promise you, I put a lot of thought into it. And I'm trying my best. <laughs> I think in season two, we saw that like having teams versus not having teams created a dynamic that was enjoyable. Yeah, it was super fun. It added to things, you know, they rooted for their teammates and it was fun. Um, I think it was flawed because there was like. They played their they own played teammates. Their own yeah. Teammates, which allowed for like bad things to happen right this time they're not playing their own teammates and they don't even get anything like as a team for winning it's their coaches yeah the, so here's what the coach gets the the so first of all let me say this the team each night whose players accumulate the most points all of those players get one extra point towards the final score okay so just like season two but this season the coach whose team accumulates the most points during the regular season, during the four-day season, that guy's gonna, that coach is gonna get five hundred dollars worth of Bitcoin. Boom. So, oh wow. So there's actually like an incentive to do your best and to have your team come out on top. Yeah, and, and that I mean that five hundred dollars worth of Bitcoin that could be worth, you know, twenty five hundred dollars by the end of the year or something crazy. Who knows? Yeah, no, I, I think that's uh, that's insane. I mean, that, that's that's a very big incentive to go out there and, and try your best. And I think it's important for the coaches to have that incentive. Anytime I've watched a um, like a YouTube creator, you know, have something where they have teams, you know, and they have he has their guys, Mr. Beast, for example, you know, he's always giving the coaches of the people like, hey, if your guy wins, you get a percentage of the money or you get this, or you get a new car and you, you it really incentivizes. And, and I think when you get the coaches and the athletes on the same page where they're both trying to win together, it's a winning strap. I mean, that, that's what you want, right? But who are the four coaches? Who, who's joining us this season? So the first coach is going to be Drew Weatherhead. Drew is the guy behind the Instagram account because Jitsu. It's like a meme account. I don't know if it's the largest meme account, but I know it was one of the first jujitsu meme accounts and I, I, it's got to be the largest one for jujitsu as well. Yeah, for jujitsu specifically. And then he's, um, you know, he's a black belt. Then, um, dang, who have I got? 
Eli Knight, who's got one of the largest, he might have the largest YouTube channel, jujitsu YouTube channel in the world. Um, maybe Chewy has got more than him. Maybe Bernardo has more than him. Like the BJJ Fanatics channel, but I don't think anybody else is even really close. Like we got a pretty decent sized YouTube channel for a jujitsu channel. And Eli's is maybe six times larger than ours. So I know he's up uh, around the 300,000 or more subscriber range, which is insane, insane. Uh, then who's my other two? The Elkins bros. The Elkins brothers, Jake and Matt Elkins. Matt was a participant in season one and season two. And then Jake was a participant in season two. We won't mention who won the match between the two of them. Block 12. <laughs> Block 12 was such a big deal. Um, so, and then who's my fourth coach? It's Applegate. That's right. Sean Applegate, who is of course, one of our black belts here. Uh, well not, not here on location, but he runs the school at 10th planet Atlanta. And, um, in my opinion is the strongest coach in the 10th planet association, just a phenomenal mind for jujitsu, phenomenal strategist, excellent tech, uh, technician. So, I think probably Sean is approaching it from a winning the game standpoint more seriously than anybody else. You know, know. because jujitsu likes that Bitcoin, likes that crypto, I should say. Yeah, man. It's just so, to me, it's just so hard to bet against Sean. Mm. It's so hard to bet against Sean, no matter who he's going against. I mean, he's remarkable. How much can a coach really like? impart their wisdom with like a week you know he's got five days with these athletes four of those days are going to be spent you know they're going to be having matches and they get that rest day friday and then they have the finale saturday like how much can a coach or how important can a coach be for a season like this so i think it was interesting in season two they didn't even have coaches but they had a team and during their match their team would be like depending on the scenario, they they would be rooting. You got to get the six here. You got to get the six and helping along the way in a way that you could just tell influenced and affected the match live, like as it was happening. And we're talking about just like their teammates, let alone like a coach who had some skin in the game who was going to win five hundred dollars of Bitcoin at the end of the season if they won. You know, like they want everybody on their team to do great, so they're going to be there. The team, it's I think it plays a big role like that as far as like if Sean could teach the guys that he chooses, like all his leg lock system this week, like I doubt it, but I think that aspect of the live match happening and, just and the live strategy and then the strategy from night to night, like, Hey man, it's uh, we're two nights into this thing and our team is down and this is the guy you got coming up next match. Like, I mean, I think again, especially a guy like Sean, he can have a lot of insight. I mean, think about, you know, we you talked about this a couple of times, Scaff, um, from the ADCC trials, watching the difference of having, for Colabate, having Guy Mendez on the sideline for him and how he was able to build a strategy for Cole just in the time between matches to go in and win. That can really be a, a difference maker. So I, I think it, has the potential to have a lot of bearing on how the season plays out. Well, let's get into the roster. So let's pull up the roster real quick. Um, 
looking at this thing, who are the favorites? Like how many tiers do you think there are? And like athletes, like, do you think there's what four, five, six, seven different tiers? Uh, if we're talking about athletes and who's in that top tier of potential winners, when you look at that, who were the three, four, five guys that could walk away as season three, regular season and the postseason champion? Well, I think if you're not taking Elijah as your heavy favorite, Elijah Carlton as your heavy favorite, you haven't been paying attention to the PGF. He's basically the Hoist Gracie of the PGF. You know, he won season one. He went undefeated all subs, which is insane. We had way more matches in the first season, too, than 24 and 0. Yeah. All subs in six minutes. Yeah. Insane. That's insane. Like, I don't care how many matches you put. Like, you put 24 matches in front of me, I'm probably not subbing everybody. I think I'm pretty dang good, but I don't know that I could sub everybody, uh, 24 opponents, much less some of these guys being good black belts, good competitive brown belts. Like, that's a in incredible accomplishment and then he comes in season two and he does the same thing until the very last match of the season he meets up with hunter and it turned out hunter was undefeated in season two in all subs this season we have more black belts by far than we had i think we may have more black belts in season three than we had in season one and two combined i don't know if that's accurate but it's got to be pretty close to that Okay, so let me just work down the list here. Elijah Carlton, Giovanni Ortiz, Caleb McAllister. Well, Elijah's not a black belt. Uh, okay, that's true. <laughs> I'm counting him as a black belt. He's I'm not in charge of giving him his black belt, but I'm giving it to him. Um, yeah, he, He's an honorary he's black belt. I hear you. <laughs> I hear you. Yeah, he's a black belt in my heart. Elijah, Gio, Caleb. Uh, here's a guy not a lot of people are – are talking about Dane Leak, who, in my opinion, could be – he shouldn't be a surprise to people because he's done so well over the course of the last year in competition. He did phenomenal – at the PGF qualifier, he was incredible. At High Rollers event, he takes Keith Krikori in the distance. Keith unable to sub him. ADCC trials, he goes sub, 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 and then gets – I think he got put out in the fourth round. So I think just Dane's not – he doesn't really use the internet. He's not a social media guy, and he's not really from the southeast. He's out from Oklahoma. I think people just don't realize how good he is yet. But for my money, if I'm pick, he's if I'm in the first round, if I'm coaching and I got to draft somebody and I miss Elijah as my first pick, I'm probably taking Dane as my first pick if I can't get Elijah. So I, I just I, I think his game is going to do so well in this format. He likes to get to the back and he likes to finish chokes. And ch you know, with this six point kill and three point break, but the chokes are worth a a lot. So I think that his game really plays well into how the scoring is set up. But so he's the fourth one. <clears throat> uh, Jonathan Roberts. Somehow Jonathan Roberts getting lost in the mix. He's a superstar out of season one. Like a legit, for us, for the size of our promotion, Jonathan Roberts is a legit superstar. The elbow genie, right? So that's five black belts already. Now I'm looking at Evan DeWitt. Again, another guy that people are not talking about coming out of Queen City uh, slash Derby City. Matt Harrison, the Scarecrow of Doom. That's seven black belts so far. Who else we got? I think that's it. I think that's it for – oh, no, Eric Longar is a black belt now. 
he got his black belt since the roster was completed. So we have eight black belts on a 24-man roster. Dude, that's pretty crazy. Like if we had an eight-man tournament that had eight black belts in it, you'd be like, dude, this is stacked up pretty nasty. So, you know, it could be that there's two black belts on each team. Pretty cool. And then, you know, we got some serious brown belt contenders in here. You got Mario, who won the qualifier in Louisville. And by the way, he beat black belts to make that happen. He tapped out a couple of black belts to make that happen. So, and then, uh, oh, Caleb McAllister, did I mention him? No. Is that, oh, that's nine. So that's nine black belts. I want to say you counted him as beginning. Okay, I might have. Listen, math is not my strong point, right? But yeah, Caleb, another superstar out of season one. Kevin Primo. <clears throat> Kevin Primo is a brown, a brutal, destructive brown belt. Well, I know some, you like Kevin as your dark horse. Um, man, I, there's a lot of guys that uh, we'll get into this real quick. Uh, I, I want I got some questions to ask you guys about this group of, of people. So we got looking at this uh, roster here. Who is the toughest to tap? Purple belt and Ooh. under. So you can't just be somebody that's like, oh, Elijah Carlton, like. You need to score because remember Mike Ritchie. Remember how tough he was yeah. in season one. He was a white belt. He was a white belt, but dude, everybody struggled with him, and a lot of guys walked away with zero with him. Who's the Mike Ritchie in the season? That's just like, dude, this guy is so tough to tap. Is there anybody? Yeah, I got you. Uh, white, blue, purple. That you're just like these guys are really, really tough. It's no Randolph. Dude, I was gonna say him or Carlos. I think Carlos's style. That's a good point. Is hard to tap that dude in six minutes. Yeah, I mean, just the times that I've rolled with Carlos, it's hard for me to tap him in six minutes, and I know I'm good. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, he's he's a handful. Uh, Noah, though, for me, Kevin. How do you tap Kevin in six minutes? That's almost an impossible task. You know, I think there's several guys on that list that are going to be really, really hard to put away. Really hard to put away. Who is the best choker? Outside of Elijah? Outside of Elijah. You need six points. Who's the guy that you're calling on? That's not Elijah Carlton. Hmm. Dude, I mean, Caleb is a savage, and I like his game. <clears throat> but he is willing to go for the those breaks, you know, too. He's, he's just a sub hunter. I'll tell you who. I got two names, and one of them – if you train with this guy, you know that he likes chokes. Noah Randolph. Okay. Noah likes chokes. He's got a very, very strong anaconda game. If he gets on your head, he can be a real problem because he never lets go. He's like a snapping turtle, dude. You know, like once he latches onto your head, he may, if he doesn't finish it, it doesn't mean you're getting your head back. You know, you might just ride, have to ride out the six minutes. I think Jonathan Roberts. I know he's known mm. as the arm lock guy. He's known as a heel hooker, but – Remember that choke that he hit on Caleb McAllister? And as season one kind of started about halfway point and he started to realize, oh, these fast taps with the breaks are not really giving me the points that I need. He was able to shift his strategy and start to take chokes. So he was able to choose chokes when he needed to. And I think that's a really important point about him. Like I think Jonathan is going to be able to come in and score and score and score. Matt Harrison if he gets his legs up around your neck, dude, I mean, a triangle choke, probably nobody outside of Elijah is going to have a triangle choke like Matt's in the bracket. Oh, what, what about Giovanni Ortiz? 
Oh, yeah, man. We got a lot of good people in this thing, dude. Yeah. Like, it's going to be really hard. It's going to be really hard to win this season. It's going to be really tough. And, you know, now thinking about who the best leg locker is, because we've heard a lot of guys. Oh, I got you here. A lot of guys just going, oh, I'm going to leg lock this guy, or I'm going to leg lock all the top dudes. I'm here. I mean, we've heard that from David Evers. Then we've obviously got Sean Applegate's guys, and Sean's known, um, you know, to he might have the best leg locks in 10th Planet. And so his guys are. No, he it. does. And then you got guys like, I mean, we saw Manning Leverett in the, uh, in the finale. I mean, he had a tough match against Ethan Birmingham and just iced him with a disgusting heel. Yeah, hook. it really hurt him. So Mario Gaywar, he won the, the qualifier with some crazy leg locks at Naoki lock in the final. Um, so who you guys think is the uh, the strongest leg locker? Again, outside of Elijah. We're just we're taking Elijah out of I don't play. know that Elijah is the strongest leg locker, though. I think Elijah is a phenomenal leg locker. Have you seen him leg locked in the PGF? No. No, I mean, we haven't seen him really beat by anything in the PGF. One move beat him. That's my rolling Kamora. Yeah, from one guy. A rolling Kamora. Um, so yeah, I think Elijah's a phenomenal leg locker. I think Geo's a phenomenal leg locker. I think Jonathan Roberts is a phenomenal leg locker. But I would there's two guys I would take as a as a pure technical leg locker above. I'm going to get the blue belt. That's what I was gonna say. Kevin Buring, dude. I think Kevin Buring is is arguably the strong he's a blue belt and he's a fresh blue belt he's a fresh jujitsu player let's be honest like he hasn't really been training very long but he listens to his coach and when your coach is sean applegate and you listen and you show up every day and put the kind of work in that this kid does i mean i think he's going to be i think he's going to beat some people that he's not not supposed to beat and I think he's going to put him away with leg locks. And then I think David Evers proved in the qualifier, like, bro, if you're sleeping on that little tank, then you're making a big mistake. I mean, he tapped uh, the elbow genie. That's the match I'm, I'm – it's in my top three most excited for, David Evers versus uh, Kevin Burry. If it happens. If it happens. If it happens. Like, that's the one match, like one of the three matches I really, really, really want to see. But – Thinking about that outside of like Elijah, you know, Giovanni, like what's a match you really want to see that's in that kind of David Evers? It's a blue, purple belt or purple, brown, maybe even blue, black match that people, you know, on the outside might not expect to be absolute fire that you cannot wait for. Because, I, you know, I've got a couple mm -hmm. I, I really am looking forward to. Again, I already said it. Um, but I, I can't I want to see um, I, I really want to see like Kevin Sherrill versus Kayla McAllister. Like Ooh. that's a just a crazy matchup. Both yeah. guys, you know, you're gonna get some hard pace in there. Hard pace, purple versus black. I, I love those those purple versus black uh, matchups. Matthew Boyles and anybody. <laughs> I'm just excited for that kid. Yeah, Matthew's crazy, dude. He gets after it. He goes a hundred percent pace from the opening bell to the closing bell. So yeah, he could be he could be really exciting. Especially you put him in there with someone that's like exciting to like Marcus or Carlos or Carlos. That was be another one I was thinking of Tyler Woolsey. Uh, we haven't mentioned him, but that dude's been training for a hundred forever. Yeah. You know, he's, he's just a purple belt. He's just a purple belt, but he's been training longer than he's probably been training as long as some of these black belts have. Oh yeah. No, I mean, I remember training with the kid when he was, uh, you know, a blue belt 
I mean, eight, nine years ago yeah. and coming up and, you know, he would come up for some of the Herzog camps or whatever. And, you know, he, had he came and competed talent. down here mm-hmm. with he our team a, a couple of times, a lot of talent. So I was kind of shocked to see, I was like, Oh, snap. Like he won the qualifier and then here he is. So really excited to see him and uh, see how his game has developed. But last question, looking at the roster here. All right. Of all the guys. All right. Which one is the, the your serious, like you got to choose a dark, a dark horse. And we've talked about a bunch of dudes, but you're on record. Like this guy is going to finish and it doesn't have to be first, but just this yeah. guy is going to maybe finish even in the top five, like a name. So, you know, if you said Kevin Bowering was going to finish in the top five, that'd be insane. Right. And we just yeah. named like eight black belts. So who's your dark horse to finish way above where most people are going to put them? It's a good question. Yeah, a lot of talent. Uh, I think it's got to be Kevin Primo for me or Noah Randolph. I think Kevin, but I also think that Kevin's game may lead him to more breaks than chokes. And so by the way that the scoring is structured, that could keep him from breaking into the top five if that's the case. But only the top eight make the play make the playoff on Saturday. So, you know, even finishing seventh is gonna be a a pretty tough task, man. I think Tyler, Tyler Woolsey. I think mm-hmm. a lot of people aren't talking about him. Mm-hmm. I think his game looked really good in the qualifiers. It looked like he was on a different level than those guys that he was yeah. there with. Yeah, he subbed everybody. And uh yeah, I think he could do really well and finish in the top five or six for sure. I'm really looking forward to Manning Leverett. Yeah, I was going to um, say Manning I, looks I like he could do some I really damage. loved his performance at the ADCC trials. Um, every time I see this kid compete, and I've rolled with him a bunch, um, he's just the nicest kid. Yeah, he's a Super gentleman. nice, respectful. He's a doctor, right? No. He's not a doctor? No. Okay. He's got that vibe. <laughs> got that doctor vibe. I think he's like 21 years old or something. No, okay. well, maybe. I don't know. For some reason, I thought he was. Anyways. But I think Manning could really come in and really finish in that top eight because um, first, how many people are going to make it to that finale? Like how many people are in the eight. final turn? So it's eight. Yeah. So getting into the top eight, like I think Manning's a guy that a lot of people might not expect him to be, but I, I could easily see him finishing sixth or seventh in this season and really uh, being one of the stars of season three. Um, but yeah, we can now go back to let's kind of see what the stream yard is going. If we got any comments or questions or anything, um, you know, it's interesting that we got like eight black belts, like you said, and there's eight spots in the playoffs. Do you, I mean, do you think it's all black belts? No, 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 I don't think there's any chance that it's all black belts, yeah. no chance at all. Mm. There's definitely going to be some black belts. I think there's going to be a couple of black belts. Okay, here's the question. Leave sad. Like they, they're going to be they finish in the middle of the pack or lower. Are there going to be more colored belts in the final tournament? Or no. More black belts. No, I think it'll be mostly so black belts. You, so you'll think there'll be more than four. So you think there'll be five yeah. black belts and like three colored belts? Yeah, something like that. Okay. You don't think so? Uh, I mean, if we're counting Elijah as a black belt. Yeah, we're which, counting him as okay, a black so belt. If Elijah's a black belt, I, I could see it being uh, four and four. Hmm. For sure. I could see it being four and four. There's a bunch of guys that that are – there's just a lot of talent in the season, and the field is very, very close. And the, the rules make that final tournament what it is. You know, like the way you do it, what you do matters yeah. this season. So Yeah, and once the tournament hits now, win by all means necessary. Right. 
right? Whatever way gets the job done, you advance. You know, that's another thing that I'm uh, really excited about about this season. There's no particular rule set to hide behind. First of all, there's no judges to hide behind ever. During the season, you have to be able to prioritize chokes. You have to be able to. You have to be able to prioritize, um, I want to say endurance over the course of a week. You got to be able to run the gauntlet and come out whole on the other side. At the tournament, you got to be able to win under an EBI rule set. And then if you're going to win the whole thing in the finale, you got to be able to win when there are no rules. Like just simply win, no time limit, just simply submit this guy. So you really have to master three different rule sets to do to to be crowned the ultimate king. You know, and it could be that a different guy wins the tournament than wins the season. We haven't had that yet. Season one, uh, regular season winner was the same as the season one tournament winner. Season two, regular season winner was the same as the season two tournament winner. But that does that's not a guarantee. And I think this season more by far more than any of the other two, it, it's up for grabs, both the tournament and the regular season. Yeah, I uh, I, I think so too. So let's talk a little bit about your guys's kind of sadistic side. All right. <laughs> forcing these guys to, it's kind of like those Spartan races, right? Yeah. These guys just get this kick of like, Hey, we got like these crazy challenges lined up for you this week. Some of you guys aren't going to make it to the end, but those that do, you're going to be really proud of yourselves. That's kind of what the PGF is like. Yeah. It's great. Like you guys are breaking these guys physically, mentally, emotionally. Like this is really, really tough to have. I mean, these guys are going to have 12 matches in four days. Um, do you expect all of the guys to stick with it? Or do you think that you're going to have to call upon subs? I think we'll definitely have to call on so so and let me explain how that's going to work. So there's 24 guys on the roster, but there's only five active players per team. So each team is going to draft a guy to be kind of on reserve. So like let's say that me and Keelan are on the same team, but I get hurt during the second game. Keelan is going to come in and accumulate points for the team and for himself. His his wins won't accumulate points for me. They'll accumulate points for him, right? So if I have to sit, I'm not able to score. Does that make sense? Got it? Mm-hmm. Okay. Kind of gave me the, uh-oh, what's that mean? <laughs> <laughs> so, <clears throat> but it also could be some guys just get to the second or third day and they just go, man, I can't do this, uh, or I don't want to do this anymore. I, I mean, I think that's a real possibility. And in a case like that, then we're going to go to the sub. Well, it's going to be easier to quit knowing that there are subs. In the previous two seasons, it was kind of like, I mean, what are we supposed to do? You're just going to forfeit your match. But now you can kind of go, oh, there's a sub waiting for me. Or or day four, the fourth day, you're uh, mathematically guaranteed into the tournament, let's say, regardless of whether you score any points on day four. Maybe you want to sit that one out. You know, is a black belt more likely to quit than a colored belt? Because that's what it seems like in previous seasons. That's, you know? I mean, that's what we saw in season one. I, I'm not for trying sure. to throw shots. Yeah. Yeah. Don't shots. name any names. I'm not naming a name, but <laughs> like we saw multiple black belts, you know, quit after a couple of weeks. And it just seems to be that's, that's what's the tough thing about black belts is just you got a little bit bigger ego and you got guys that are, 
It's hard, man. When you're a black belt, it's hard to lose to a lower ranked guy. I mean, we saw that happen in season one where we had a couple of guys come in and, you know, they were black belts and it didn't really go their way. It didn't go the way they thought it was going to go, or maybe they didn't take it as seriously as they should have taken it. And some of these got like a Nilo, for instance, Nilo Bergener from season oh, one. Man, I wish Nilo was in this season. Yeah, man, I tried to get him, but, uh, you know, a guy like Nilo can make you rethink whether or not you're a black belt, you know. A guy like Noah Randolph's going to make some of these guys consider whether or not they deserve their black belt. So, I didn't, man, when, once those st thoughts start to creep in, the snowball can get big quickly. So, yeah, I, I think it's not only possible, I think it's likely that we'll see a black belt either quit or walk off during season three. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to curse it or anything, but, I mean – it's a tough week. It's shark week. It's not going to be easy, man. You know, and these guys are going to have to maintain their body all week long. That's that's hard to do. Some people's style is not conducive to that. They get out there and they just smash it and crush their head against the wall until they get the job done. Well, look, man, you got to get the job done again tomorrow and again tomorrow. And it's not one time tomorrow. You got to do it three times tomorrow and three times the day after that and three more the day after that. And then if you did great, take a day off and you got to do it again in the tournament. To win the tournament, you got to do it four times. So I think some of these guys, their style is not going to hold up. We saw that in season two. You know, their style, look, these, this guy's a killer, but his style just did not hold up over the course of, um, you know, the PGF gauntlet. It is a gauntlet, and it's definitely – really showcases an athlete's endurance and how efficient their jujitsu is because it's tough. If you're expecting to go out there and get into 12 wars over four days, I mean, you're not going to walk away uh, more. Most likely you're not going to walk away with all your limbs attached. You know, you're going to have to really be calculated. You're going to have to take the points um, when they're available. Do you think um, this season, like how close do you think the points will be from first to we'll say third, you think it will be within five points? You think somebody runs away with it? How, how are you? I don't think anybody's going to run away with it. I think if anybody was going to run away with it, I think you could say that that's got to be Elijah that you try to pick for that. But outside of that, I can't see anybody just smoking through the the field like it. I can't even imagine that. I'm going to go out on a limb and say this is the closest season yet. Oh, yeah, I, I don't even think top, it's close. I think the top three are going to be just neck and neck. Yeah, I, I um, looking at, you know, if you just tried to create even the field for the playoffs, I, I mean, I think there's about 16 guys that you could put into those spots and you still might not have even got it right. You know, this is, uh, again, a guy like Manning Leverett, like where do you put him in this field? I don't know. I mean, is he one of the 10 best guys? Is he one of the 15 best guys? Does he somehow find a way into the top eight? See a top five, like who knows? And it's gonna, it's really adding to me a lot of excitement uh, for this upcoming season. There's a lot of parody this time, a lot of parody, but we still got some guys in there to get dunked on. People are getting dunked on. It's gonna be sure. a lot of dunks for sure. Are we gonna see a a Miami Dolphins? A I guess no NBA team has, has went winless, but I'm thinking like the Nets, where they won like just like seven games one season, like. Is the Nets a, won seven games one like, year I can't remember out of 82. 
God. Yeah, there was a team. I think uh, I think it was the Nets. Oh my it was God! Like seven. And anyways, uh, rebuilding is what they called that year. But um, are we going to see like Kiahi? We love him. He got one win. Him and Mike Johnson. It came down to who was going to come into. Yeah. And I, I love that stat. And uh, to me, I, I really respect those guys for coming in and. and Hey, Neither one of those guys ever acted this. like they weren't going to be there for yes. the next match. Yes, they were there for the whole thing, and and honestly, that's why Kiahi's in this season. It's not. Listen, I love you, Kiahi, but you're not in the season because you're the baddest dude. You know, what I mean? he knows this. He's in the season because he believes in the mission and the fun that we're trying to create with the PGF. And I know he's loyal, and he's that I can count on him. You know. And I know that no matter how the season goes for him, he'll never quit. No matter what happens, I know he won't quit. Wouldn't it be kind of crazy if we did some, like, whoever scores the lowest amount of points has to get a tattoo that the first person first tells them to get? And it has to be oh like – Oh, my God. Can you imagine what, like, Elijah Carlton would have, like – I don't – I think that butt. that is uh, unethical. <laughs> <laughs> like, Elijah Carlton gets to choose your tattoo because you only scored, Jeez. like, four points. You think anybody's gonna go totally scoreless or that's winless? Keelan? I think that's definitely possible. Man. Yeah, I do. I think so. I think just because this is a real league and you happen to it's see the way that it works out in, in leagues, you know. Even the team that goes scoreless, like in the NFL, dude, those are all NFL athletes. They're real good and they're trying to win. And some, you know, it's just the, the way of the game. I think um, one of the most interesting things about the way that we've got it structured is going to be the bubble race. Like, who's the last man into the tournament? Yeah. And so even, I think the competition for first place, like, yeah, everybody wants to talk about that. But the thing that's going to make the season exciting is who gets in seventh and eighth place. Like, what's happening between seventh and, say, tenth place is going to be probably the most exciting part of the season well, that was what ruined uh season two it kind of ruined that fun that we saw in the first season where it was kind of like each week you kind of look at this you go oh my gosh yeah. matt anderson i remember when he was winning his division yeah like, oh my god like this white belt <laughs> like winning this division or dude jonathan roberts is undefeated but he's not even in the top eight and so we're going to kind of get to follow the pgf things and so the race is going to be um exciting because it wasn't exciting this past it wasn't as exciting this past um you know where he just was pre-recorded i yeah. just felt like it wasn't um but we're getting to follow it every night and you're getting to hear the commentators talk about it and like, the live audience and the live audience and the draft um, the seventh and eighth spot is going to be very very hotly contested yeah i think you're gonna have probably everything from like sixth to tenth or eleventh place is going to be neck and neck and probably all comes down to the last game or two. I like calling them games instead of matches. It's more fun. It's a league. Yeah, I like calling them players. I like calling it games. All right. So can we do this final prediction? Then we're almost an hour in, guys. We've talked uh, a lot of PGF. We we missing anything? Is there anything? Well, I, th I think, I think I we got to go to the comments, mm -hmm. and we got to let them pick the coaches' challenge. So for the coaches' challenge. They gave some suggestions. Earlier. Yeah. So here, you pick one that you want. You pick the one you want. I'll pick the one I want. And but we'll let the fans pick from those three for how we're going to determine the draft order. So my vote is the paper airplane competition. I think Lame. everyone's made paper airplanes, but they don't make them on the regular. 
it's not like an athletic thing. I think it's just like an objective, fun little competition. Paper airplane comp. I'll go. Uh, hmm, I'm gonna go the dizzy bat race. I, I think that's just fun. I think it makes for good content, and that's one of those things. Like, who knows who could win that? For me, it's very clear. It's a Connect Four contest. It offers the opportunity to talk to trash. Uh, it's actually competitive, and I think that the coaches will get excited to try to one up each other in Connect Four. Yeah. I mean, I, I would, I would pick connect four. If I'm being honest, I would have picked connect four. I just knew that's what Brandon was going to say. Um, <laughs> I, I really like the connect four challenge as well. So I'll throw that out there, but all right. So I those, to give them three. those are your three choices. If you're in the comments right now, look, you do what you want to, you don't have to pick, but we need some input here. We need some votes connect Four, dizzy bat race or paper airplane distance contest. So would Connect Four be a round robin tournament? Single elimination. Single elimination. So, so it's a four man bracket. All right, let's hear it, fans. Yeah. Uh, the, the anticipation is killing. Oh, there's a Connect Four vote. Mm. Oh, there's another Connect Four vote. Marcus Elkins said all three. Shut up, Marcus. <laughs> he doesn't know the budget. Dang, we can only afford a dizzy bat or a connect four set. <laughs> how much you know how much yeah. paper costs, dude? Yeah. Oh, look at this. It's a blowout. It's like I know my people. Even the weather, does he think we're we're going to the airstrip to fly these airplanes? <laughs> <laughs> it's a blowout. Dude, Literally, no one. Has chosen. It's like I know my audience. Look, I'm a I'm a master marketer. Yeah. Connect four. It is. Your boy Brandon McCatherine wins again. They literally picked the one with the least movement. It's like the least exciting. But it's the most. No, it's the most exciting. It's the most trash talk potential. I think Connect Four is really exciting. I've seen some pretty crazy Connect Four games. Like Connect Four is pretty awesome. I think that's a great choice. Yeah. And it'll make some funny B-roll footage. Are we? Hey, are we gonna um, stream the Connect Four contest for the coaches? I mean, I suppose that's what the people want. <laughs> All right. Do you, All any right. questions? You guys have any thoughts, questions for for these guys uh, before we wrap this up? I want to see a bunch of people here in the audience watching live Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, yeah, Thursday. Yeah, it's free. Like, Listen, so it's free to come and watch. Monday through Thursday. Saturday, the finale is going to be a ticketed event. We're doing it in connection in conjunction with Summit Grappling Championship. And Jamie Houston is the promoter of that. He's for I know you guys know, but Jamie has done an incredible job with his new promotion. This is I think this is going to be his third show. So it's going to be a ticketed event. And listen, it's free to come and watch Monday through Thursday on location, 6 p.m. Central, 10th Planet Decatur. We want you to come. It's free to watch live and streamed on YouTube Monday through Thursday, 6 p.m. Central. We want you to watch and share. On Saturday, it's a ticketed event. The tickets, a uh, portion of the tickets go to the athletes. portion of the tickets go to me and Keelan to try to pay us back for all the thousands of dollars we're spending to make this happen. And the 
the finale will not be streamed on YouTube. It will be a pay-per-view event. And, and part of those proceeds are also going to go to the athletes. So if you're at home and you're like, well, I'll just catch the finale for free, you will not catch the finale for free unless it's well after the fact. Somebody might post it after the fact. But the live finale will be a pay-per-view event. So we'll have links and all of that coming up for you when the time is right. So, Yeah. Zinkai asked if they had any new camera set stuff. Um, that's how we're going live this season. It's because there's like got some wireless HDMI yeah. transmitters and stuff like that. New camera. So instead of we like, leveled up, all, our production has leveled up yeah. 10x since, I mean, since season one, it's like 100x leveled up. Yeah. Since season two, we 10x'd. Yeah. Uh, what was that link for tickets? Uh, for the live event, Elizabeth, you can just do tickets at the door. Oh, a member's discount. Hmm. Probably not because I'm not actually in charge. Uh, Jamie is the promoter for the live event on Saturday and he'll be the one running that. So probably not. Any VR? <laughs> no, not this one. Uh, scratch that. Yes. Potentially live VR 360. So if you have an Oculus or another VR headset and you want to watch the PGF stream, in your VR headset, I think that's going to be an option live, but it won't be with all of the production, the tail of the tape. The It'll just be the, the video. Screen. It'll just be you sitting in, in the bleachers or with the commentary team just watching it live, um, which is going to be super cool. If we can't do it live, I'm 99% sure we can. Whoa, if I didn't even know that. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure, 100% sure we can do it to Facebook live. I'm, I want to do it to YouTube live, but we're going to do it live VR 360 say there's that 1% chance that we can't we're still going to record it and like post it up after the fact so it just won't be live but yes there will be some VR for you guys word yeah that's news to me yeah. what time do things start Sunday Saturday oh, oh no okay. this coming the yes. first event mm -hmm. so the athletes will be here to weigh in officially at 10 a.m. on Sunday but that won't be uh, broadcast That'll be the official weigh-in, and then we're going to let them weigh in, and then they're going to go get some rest, get rehydrated, start feeling better. And then at 6 p.m., we will go live. We'll have the ceremonial weigh-in at that time and the combine at 6 p.m. on Sunday. The draft is going to be broadcast live at 10 a.m. on Monday. And this is these are all central time. So 6 p.m. Sunday night, 10 a.m. Monday morning. Yeah. And then 6 p.m. every night, Monday through Thursday. Is when it starts. Yes. The, the matches start at 6. Yes. What about PGF tonight? Is there like a yeah. pre-show? We'll start the broadcast at 5. 5 o'clock. So, um, and the finale on Saturday starts at noon. So we have a 35-match undercard. 35 matches okay. with actually some banger matches. Yeah. There's some banger matches, some good black belt matches, a lot of really good athletes on the undercard. So we have a 35 match undercard starts at noon on Saturday and it's going to be at Epic church here in Decatur, Alabama. It's a, the venue. If you haven't been um, to the finale for the first two seasons, it's the same venue. The venue that we have for the finale is in my opinion, there is no better venue in grappling than the one that we have for the PGF. Like, you know, I've been 
I mean, I've been to all the good ones. I've been to all the good shows and I've called a lot of them. This is the best, most beautiful, nicest venue in grappling for sure. Yeah. 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 That's great. Great spot. Good food concessions. Oh yeah. Such and such is going to be provided. They're going to have a food truck pulled up out back every night. So can they're sponsoring one of the teams. Toehold is sponsoring one of the teams. Supernatural survival gear, and then we actually had um, spot open. We actually had a spot open up for one. If you want to have a business and you want to sponsor one of the teams and have your name blasted all over the PGF all week long and in perpetuity, every time somebody sees season three forever, then slide into my DMs. You know, I'm looking to make this thing happen, so I'm looking to wheel and deal to get that fourth sponsor in here between now and Sunday. Yeah. Okay. Well, we did it, guys. There you go. Guys, thanks for uh, joining me, and uh, this was really fun doing the PGF talk. And, man, in a couple of weeks, we're going to know who the champ is. Yeah, I'm pretty excited, man. I'm more excited for season three than I was for season one and season two combined, I think. Agreed. I'm it's going to be sick. All right, guys. We're out of here. Until next time.